It's time to unleash the expert. What is he an expert on? Relationships, sex, spirituality, and rediscovering yourself beyond the trauma. Get ready to unleash more purpose, passion, and pleasure in your life. Here's the expert himself, Mr. Brandon Patrick. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I have a, a special guest on today. Um, somebody who is my colleague professionally. Uh, I'd like to say we really grew up together. A little bit. Um, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but he's also my good friend. And um, something about Steve that I know is that there's some fire in there. <laughs> I hope to get the fire out a little bit <laughs> today, um, but maybe not too much. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, Steve is just a good man who does good things and has a ton of knowledge, ton of experience, both personal experience, professional experience about the topics that I really like to talk about, which is sexuality, spirituality, um, just understanding who you really are. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Good to have you. Brandon wasn't going to out me about this, but uh, he actually, once upon a time, before we were colleagues, he was actually my therapist. Actually. I, I wasn't. He wasn't out that, that, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, back in the back in the day, I was, you know, part I, I'm an act in long term recovery. I'm eight and a half years sober. And and uh, Brandon's known me at uh, my best, but he's also definitely known me at my worst. Let's so. just say I know you really well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> yes. So, um, But you know what? It's been amazing working with you in that capacity. But also it's been amazing watching you progress in your career and really becoming a leader and a voice. Um, for recovery. And I, I just think, you know, it's it's awesome when I see somebody who I've, I've worked with almost start to exceed what I do. Oh, God, <laughs> you're kind, man. I, I want to be like Brandon when I grow up. I tell him that all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, I got a topic today that um, that I think could could really spur some discussion between yeah. the two of us. And it'll be interesting to see where our philosophies really align. And maybe where some of our philosophies differ, yeah, and um, and maybe some kind of in between there. So, um, so I want to talk about what I call the Chinese finger trap. So, cool. Uh, the Chinese finger trap, it's you know, it's those little things you put on your finger, you put on each finger, uh -huh. and what you stick them in each side, and when you try to pull it apart, it's a no go. It yeah, it grabs harder, and it's harder to get your fingers out. Yeah. Right? And this is this is kind of what I see in terms of sexuality, sex addiction, and recovery, mm. um, especially in the the rigid religious culture that we are in. Yeah. Um, you take sexuality, um, and you demonize it, and you say that it's bad. Uh huh. And then somebody feels like I'm bad. I'm compulsive. I need to stop this behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, they focus on stopping the behavior, and so they might go to treatment. They might go to a program on trying to get sober, trying to stop this behavior, which makes them focus even more on the behavior, which keeps them even more stuck in yeah. the addiction, in 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 the behaviors that they're trying to stop. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like a Chinese finger trap where they're trying to force their way out of the thing mm -hmm. because they know that it's bad and they know they need to stop it. They're going to church and they're hearing, don't do it. Don't do it. It's bad. Don't look at porn. Don't masturbate. You don't lust. Don't, you know, all those things are bad. Totally. Um, 
they're setting up a bunch of systems and tools in their life to to try to stop it. Yeah. Um, but it almost leads to this place of force and control, mm, yeah. which I think doesn't lend to real recovery and self-acceptance. What do you think? No, I completely agree. And this is definitely one where I think we're in sync and I'll just try to keep it brief because this is like a total soapbox thing for me. So like in, 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 and then you and I did, we grew up in the same very restrictive religious culture, you know, heavily, you know, conservative Judeo Christian. And it, there really was a notion as I was growing up, there was, it was highly moralistic, right? It was all yes. about good and bad. Right. And there was this focus on that. And I remember even like growing up when I would hear from different ecclesiastical leaders who were very well-meaning, you know, it was just kind of, there was always, it was like, let's talk about the new unique way in which you're going to burn in hell for all time. <laughs> if this doesn't, right. If you don't change this, right. Like, well, you got a boner. Oh, uh, yes. Like, watch out. Like that's gonna, you know, you're just, I mean, I just, I, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, it yeah. I, you know, every time you ejaculate, that's like God's tears coming out. I heard that a while back. Like, it's just, it, it's really rough, right? And and it got very, hot, you know, heavily just, re- you know, a lot of heavy religiosity. And as I was navigating my own recovery in, in sex addiction, that was something I really had to deal with because me and God, like, and you know this from our discussions, like, we were not okay right. at the beginning of this process. Oh, yeah. You know, I had tons of God trauma. I, I'm and for two- good reason, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. My dad had died in a plane crash in an early age. Um, my whole story here is not important, but there were just a lot of things that had happened where I grew when I grew up in a culture that was highly religious, and it was like if you do good stuff, you're blessed. If you do bad stuff, you're screwed. Like I done. And lots- you're feeling like God shitting on you. All we the just time. got it like, just what? constantly. Yeah. Right. My my mom my mom tells a story of that when I was 13 one day I just came up to her in tears and I just looked at her and I said like Why does God hate me? Yeah. Because like, yeah. he must, right? Right. I mean, I'm 13, we've already done all this stuff. Like, and anyway, so going back to what you were saying, you know, this idea of good and bad, as I was trying to navigate recovery, my story is like many of the guys you and I both work with, right? Where I'd go see religious leaders, I'd talk to them about it, they'd recommend a few good things. They were really well intentioned men who had no training and no yes. idea what they were right. doing. And uh, I'd, I'd find a little success, but it was very much, like you said, behavior focused. Right. Right. We're in a religious culture that where where abstinence is the primary gauger, right, of, of recovery. Yep. And that sets up such an issue because, like you said, when you, when you don't I, – I had a new client come in for the first time just the other day, and I told him the same thing I tell every guy. I said, I know that you're here. Because of issues around sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like nope. And, and you're here not because you just want to better yourself. You're here because, you know, like all of us, we come to therapy or we get help because it's like we're at the bottom of the barrel. You know, right. I'm on the brink of losing my marriage, my job or whatever. And I said, sex for you, I know, is a problem. But sex is not your problem. Yes. Right. Sex is not the problem. It's right. a problem. Right. But it's not the problem. And it's, it's sex. The way that you're using it is a problem. Correct. Yes. Exactly. Your sexuality is not the issue. Right. You know, speaking as a guy who used to want to, who actually did it a few times smack himself in the testicles with a wiffle bat every time he'd act out <laughs> like that doesn't, that doesn't that's work. Crazy. That's crazy. I know, crazy. but that happened. Right. Like that really happened. Right. You know, because you get to a point where you're just like, I'm just going to chop them off. Right. Like these are just getting me in trouble. My, right. Yeah, right. Like, like my genitals are just, they're ruining my marriage. They make me feel terrible. Like, forget it. My, just... my buddy asked for a priesthood blessing to stop having erections. Mm. And his dad gave him one. 
Oh his dad gave goodness. him a blessing. He was 14. Oh my God. Most 14 year olds have an erection more than they don't. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah. Bless me to not, <laughs> to not be, to not be human. Yeah. <laughs> Bless me to, <laughs> to not, not be human. human. Right. They don't be in alignment with God. Exactly. Not human. Exactly. <laughs> what if is I, that? If I can just <laughs> surrender that pesky humanity, I would be fine. Yes. You know? No, absolutely. And and I, you know, over the years as my recovery evolved, I mean, I tried to do it for every everyone under the sun, right? I mean, I, I served a religious mission. I cobbled together enough sobriety to somehow do that. And I and I and I I, I would I would relapse. I would stumble less. Steve, that. I want to ask you. I want to back up yeah, a little. Yeah, please bit. go ahead. At thirteen, you're already feeling like God hates me. Yeah. like I'm bad. You start acting out in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. Um, did did that reinforce those feelings of oh I deserve this? Oh my gosh, no, absolutely. Yeah, like right. you were creating the bad things happening in your life because of your sexual behavior. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's one of the big. Oh, look at that shame. Oh, and then the psychology. I mean, you remember working with me. I mean, it was just back in those. I mean, it seems like the other day it was a decade ago, but it seems like the other day where I was. I mean, I really would. I would just like every time you would you would act out. You know, we obviously you and I talk about all the time how, you know, guilt is is focused on attributes. I'm a good person with attributes to work on. Shame is an identity. Yeah. Right. And so every time I screw up, that's just a manifestation of what a screw up. You can't cope. Yeah, that. absolutely. It's, just, and, it's an identity. And and so you be you do you enter this really really weird spiral like I and, and where you feel like you're my my business calling at my Dare to Connect program Mark Castleman he calls this out he's a chaplain and he calls this you feel like you're outside of Christ's circle. Yeah. Right like where it applies to everyone else right. all this hope and good stuff that you learn in in church but not to me. Yeah, I'm outside of it, right? I'm yep. the exception. I'm I'm exception to the rule. I've somehow broken the space time continuum, right? And it doesn't apply. Yep. Right? Yep. I got a I got a question emailed to me two weeks ago from a guy, just randomly, and he said, "I don't know what to do because I'm stuck. I I believe in God. I know God can heal me, but I also believe that I'm not worthy of God's help right now. Yes, because I keep." doing these sexual things. So what yeah. do I do? And you, uh-huh. you can hear that outside of the, it's like, God's not there for him. Totally. Because, and, and, and to be honest, if I were to really dig in with him, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I would guess that what he's doing as a sexual being probably isn't that extreme. Yeah. Like he's, he's probably masturbating. He mm-hmm. might be looking at porn. It's, it's probably not that extreme yeah. of behavior yet. That level of acting out to him mm-hmm. already condemns him to say God can't be there for me. Totally right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I was on. Uh, I was serving this religious mission. We were teaching somebody, and she was actually getting ready to to join the church. Uh, and she was. Uh, she she had a really sketchy past. Um, we. <laughs> I'm gonna blackball myself with all sorts of people here. We were teaching somebody we. We're recommended not to do, and it may not have been. This. She was a former stripper. Okay, a couple of guys teaching a former stripper. Okay, yeah. of, you know, but, but but it felt right. We did, <laughs> and she was a great lady. Had made all these changes and was really wanting to do this. But she called us one day, over, and she sat us down. She said, "You know, you know, I've done some stuff, uh, some stuff I haven't told you guys about, and that I, you know, and I, it's stuff that I just don't know if I can come back from." And she said, I just, I don't know if I can really make this happen. And and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because it was one of those moments where you're out, you know, where you kind of feel God, you know, kind of inside. And, right. and like, it was this powerful moment where I remember telling her like all the right things and I believed it. 
right? You know, there's nothing, there's nothing you've done that can't be, you know, overcome and, you know, God can help you change any, and it was a great discussion. And this is literally what happened in my brain simultaneously. I had one half of my brain. It's like I had not, not clinically, but like split personality going on. Like the one hand believed everything I was saying. And I heard a voice in my head simultaneously telling me, but this won't work for you. Because you're a missionary, you masturbated last week. Oh my god! And you should know better. So you're saying it out loud to somebody else, and I believed it. And you believed it when you said it to somebody else, but it was so embedded yeah. inside of you. I should know better because you masturbated last yeah. week. I'm the missionary with the tag on. I'm the yeah. guy who's supposed to know what he's doing, and I masturbated last week. So, so God's love started. cannot get to you. No, no, can't. But it's channeling you. simultaneously for this person. <laughs> I mean, how messed up is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's using pretty cool, pretty chill vernacular, but like how screwed up is that? I know. And uh, and so that religious dichotomy piece and, and going back to what you were saying, right, is as I was, you know, as I over the years before I found sobriety, I, I literally we, we in Dare to Connect, we talk about this all the time. I, I, I did. I found recovery after doing it all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. I tried everything wrong before I found the right stuff. And I tried doing it when we talked motivation for, for my wife, Brittany. I right. tried doing it for her. I tried doing it for, you know, to 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 feel less guilt and shame. I tried doing it for my family. I tried doing it for God. Right. And I'm a pretty religious guy, but that was none of those things were ever enough. Right. The only thing that it, what that allowed that really found helped me find traction was when I kind of got irreverent a little bit and said, you know what, fuck all that. Yeah. Like screw everyone, yep. even your wife, even God. You got to get a little reverence to say, what do I want? Absolutely. What do I want? Am I happy right. where I am? The religion's trying to tell me how to do it. Yes. Fuck that. It's not working. Yeah. With, uh, what trying I- to do it for my wife. Not working. Absolutely. Right. right. What What do I want? Do I want to be going down this road? In other words, it was a surrendering of, we, we got to throw out this whole playbook of right and wrong. Yeah. And I need to start looking at what is healthy versus toxic. Amen, brother. Right? Like what is healthy for me versus what is toxic? And when I started to shift that dynamic, that's when traction actually started, right? Because it became a focus on the change with the sobriety being more of a symptom right. of the change. Right. But but right. Steve, here's here's the deal. When you got to that place of surrender, yeah, you know, and and you know, step three in the in the twelve steps is turn your will in your life over to carry God. Yeah, you got to that place of surrender. You no longer you started to let go of that belief of I need to earn God's help. Yes. I need to earn my wife's love. I need to earn these things. And you got to this place of you know what, I I'm gonna allow God to help me. Like yes. it's just gonna be there. And now I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna connect. I'm going to do this. And that's when real recovery started to take place. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. It's, it's ironic because you kind of have to, you have to let all of it go in order sometimes to heal those wounds a little bit. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and, and, and it makes sense, because... but you were letting go of control. Yes. You were letting go of a fear-based model of recovery and you actually stepped into your power is yeah. what you did. Yeah. You said, you know what? The church tells me how to control things. I control things for my wife's sake. I, I, I try to control it even for my own sake. Totally. I'm letting go of control now. Yeah. And I'm going to step into this from a place of love and power. And the Steve ele- program doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> Steve program. I've told, sucks. You, I've told you that many times. <laughs> oh, gosh. If, there, if we had a nickel for every time, I, I remember the first time Brandon and I met. This is hilarious. Like, if you guys can visualize this, like, 
I remember like the first, probably like what our first 10 sessions, <laughs> like man, he was earning his money back then. Me, I think he just dread me with me because I, I was a therapist at the time too. And I worked in addiction. I was actually helping guys with this. I wasn't open about it, but I was, and they were actually getting better. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and I remember, like, gosh, it's so crazy. I remember the first time we sat down and I just sat on the couch for like the first three sessions and I hardly said a word. I just had my arms folded. And I remember in my mind thinking, and I actually think I told you this one time, I'm like, don't use your don't use your bullshit Jedi mind tricks on me. I use that crap on other people. All right. Like I know all your stuff. Like, don't even try that nonsense with me. Right. Like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love clients like that. <laughs> poor, poor Brandon, man. But but uh, but yeah, I mean it and and but you know, as we as as I started to make that shift and and as I started to throw out that playbook, and like you said, it just that was the key. That's why I'm such a big 12-step guy, is because it finally took throwing out the playbook, including my whole paradigm right around this whole God model and just right. saying, you know what? Maybe I do just have this all wrong. Yeah. And what yeah. I do may or may not work for other guys, but it is sure as hell not working for me. Right. And so I'm going to trust this other therapist and trust what I'm hearing at 12 step because mm -hmm. what I'm doing is just screwing me. Yep. Yeah. I, I uh, backing up a little bit and totally. I, know, I know you'll relate to this. Um, back in the day, a lot of the messages were, you know, if um, if you read your scriptures and pray, uh -huh. then the temptations will go away. Yes. And and really what, they, what they're saying by that is then your sexuality will go away, uh -huh. right? Totally. Um, or you just need to get married and then you can have sex. So my mission president told me word for word when I was getting ready to leave. Yeah. And did you know, he said, Brother Moore, you... Elder Moore, you really just need to go home and get married. <laughs> no joke. No joke. I kid you not. <laughs> Hurry and just go have sex because then yeah, your your wife's vagina will take care of the just, all the issues. Just get it out of your uh, system, man. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so and then also like leaders would get up and I I heard things like masturbation is sexual sin that's second to only murder. Yes. You know, like uh -huh. um, you just need to stop it, stop it, it's bad. Um, and then I, so from, from a religious kind of cultural standpoint, those were the messages totally. and, and those, that's kind of the, the messages that you took on and you tried to use those things to, to solve the problem. And that's what you're saying. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, but then I, I got on, um, under a woman named Jody, mm -hmm. um, as a therapist and got trained on how to treat sex addiction. And yeah. this was a long time ago. And she would take the kind of voices of the religion and just just exacerbate it, just take mm -hmm. it. And it was all about force, condemnation. Um, I remember one of her clients took a double take at a grocery store of a beautiful woman. And she. I, I was sitting in this group, and I remember sitting there, and she's like, you did what? We, cons <laughs> we consider that a relapse. Oh, and gosh. and his deal with his wife is you need to now go report to your wife that you relapsed. Uh -huh. And the consequence for that is that you sleep on the concrete floor in the basement for a week. Right. And so and, and, and him and the reason I'm telling the story, he thought that the righteous, good, humble thing to do was to go home, tattletale to his wife uh -huh. and then go sleep on that floor. And that's actually progressing him toward recovery. And, and and the therapist who's treating sex addiction is actually making sure and enforcing that Fronting stuff like that, that happens. Oh yes. my gosh. See, you know, you know this happened, right? Like oh, this yeah. type of stuff happened. All, right? all the time. Well, and, and that's the problem, right? Is and this is the difference. I you know, a while back, 
I, I want to put it in my next book. I was thinking about this and it just kind of came to mind. There's there's a difference between because what we're really talking about here is a difference between compliance versus conversion. Yeah. Right. To recovery. Yes. And and we you and I see it all the time. If there's a big enough of a caliber of of, of metaphorical gun to a guy's head, right? And on the side of that barrel it says, you know, marriage or never having sex again or loss of church membership right, or right. whatever. Right. If we if we make the caliber big enough, then the white knuckle can happen. Yeah, that's going to stop it. And we see that happen. Guys will. They will go sober for a week, a month, force themselves to not be sexual. Yes. Right. But the problem is, is is we are just creating nothing but a time, a shame based, broken time bomb bomb. Right. That is just going to go. Yep. Right. Because nothing has actually changed. Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, Steve. it's maybe actually worse. That guy, he is now getting really good at being compelled to recovery. Yes. But, but as long as you and I guess this is the meat of the topic for me. And as long as you are doing it from a place of right and wrong, not to say that those aren't good. I call them secondary reasons because those are fine. Sure. But if you're not primarily rooted in what I call that healthy selfishness. Right. And like this has got to be for me and I have to be behind it and I have to be dialed in with what is in it for me, right? right. If, if it's not authentic for me, right, really is what we're talking about, right? Over, I will never become converted, ever. Right, right. right? I'll always be stuck and I'll be compelled. Well, here's the thing, Steve. I would take that even a step further to the, a man who does that, who uses that self-rejection and force and control, actually is feeding the the actual issue inside of himself. I agree. He thinks the issue is the sex addiction. It's what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. The issue is he doesn't know himself. So when you talk about conversion to recovery, that there's a big element there of self-acceptance. Yeah. I always say recovery is actually recovering something. It's recovering an understanding of who you are. Mm -hmm. And and so when you're sleeping on that cement floor because your wife told you to, because you think you're a piece of shit because you had a, a sexual feeling toward a woman, you are so far from stopping and saying, Who am I? Am I okay? Can I be forgiven? Um, it, it, like, is this okay for me to punish myself in this way? Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so all that shame just got swirled up, and he just ate it all. Mm. And and I see that happen again and again. There's there's another program. I don't know if you've heard about this. If they have a relapse, they have to pay double for their group therapy. That I think way. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay double. They go, oh, well, did you half your bait or did you full masturbate? Because if the if the sperm came if the sperm came out, then <laughs> uh, that's like Pee Wee Herman's word of the day, man. A half your bait. I'm taking that with me when I leave here today. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you you leak some sperm. It's double oh, now. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. That's not recovery. No, that's not at that's all. nuts. That, not that's at all. Crazy, right? Yeah, and that's and this is a whole other topic for another time. We'll have to do this again. But like, that's the whole. I mean, that's one of the many ways in which the concept of healthy boundaries just goes crazy off the rails. Yes. Right. Rather than boundaries being set from a place of safety and how do we encourage and foster growth and connection? Right. It's again, where what's the right caliber of gun to make him stop? Yes. Right. Yes. Which is not a boundary. No. Actually, that's it's manipulation. Force. Yes. It's manipulation. Right. At the end of the day. Right. Right. Yes. It's just, oh man, oh, that's a whole other topic. And, and, go there. And, <laughs> and, and your partner does it to you. Your church can do it to you. Your therapist can do it to you. You can do it to yourself. Yes. And the, the point is, is, like there, there's two sides to this fence. When we say, I believe that sexual self-acceptance is very healthy and very good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what that doesn't mean is that then you can just go do whatever you want. Correct. Uh, you know, like, oh, yay, I get to go screw whoever and whatever, uh -huh. like all the time. No, that means that I accept my arousal template. I accept who I am as a sexual being. Mm -hmm. I know myself. And I also understand what consequences I do want in my life and what consequences I don't. Absolutely. And therefore, I'm not going to just go off the rails here. Correct. Right. But I don't need the caliber, the big gun to my head. Mm -hmm. the, the, like, I think that we're taught at church that unless we have this fear behind our sexuality, then we're going to do horrible things. Oh, totally. Right. It's totally fear driven. Right. Yeah. Growing up. I mean, right. Gosh, Brittany and I have talked my, – my wife, Brittany, we talk about this stuff all the time. I mean, I'm just an open book, so hopefully this isn't, like, too uncoachable. Brittany's cool with it. this. But, like, Steve. I remember, like, Brittany and I, we abstained from sex before marriage, and we knew each other a long time. And it, our relationship got to a point I – mean, we'd been off and on together for six years before we got married. Like, Wow, that's by, a long by, time. By the end there, man, it was, like, weekly – I didn't know it was that long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, like, weekly accountability with somebody, checking in on what we were doing. That was the only thing that kept me, like <laughs> – I mean, we, it was a miracle, but I remember we got, you know, we got to the day and, 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 and you know, and, and in my faith tradition, your faith tradition, it's like, okay, the wedding day, you know, <laughs> it's like 20, 20 some odd years of sobriety and abstinence and change. It's all come down to this. We are driving to the hotel, downtown Salt Lake. Talk about build up. Yes. My wife is sobbing. Oh. And I'm like, I, I, that's craptastic. That's that's <laughs> awesome. I'm I'm sitting there driving. I'm like your whole life okay. waiting. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> we finally got the green light, and here we are. And and why? It was because she was, and we had talked about sex tons. We were not very, we were not prudes by any means, but she had been told by every well-intended young women's leader how painful it was going to be. Oh god. How awkward it was going to be for the first time. So she's scared to death. She's scared shitless. Yeah. That this is going to be this horrible experience You're driving to this hotel for her to get hurt. Oh jeez. Um, um, I try to be a nonviolent person, but I I like after we talked about this later, I was like, I just want to go find these people and like strap C4 to the side of their house and just like, set it up. There's the Steve I know. <laughs> it's just like I love it. It's just like but it, it, and we got through it thankfully like I was it actually, it it was a you know, it's a whole story for another time, but it actually it actually ended up being a really good thing, and and it ended up being a fine night. But it was just like these are the barriers we put in place using fear as a way to try to curb. And honestly, I I don't know how much you want to go here, but something that I would argue that I just my personal opinion, gospel according to Steve, I think what we're talking about right now pisses God off just as much, if not more, than sexually acting out. Amen. I really no, do. Oh, no question. I think he just is up there face palming all the time, well, just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? Well, here here's the thing, Steve, and, and this is you could really set me on my soapbox here. You know, we we depict Christ as like completely unsexual. You yes. Know, we never talk about Christ as a sexual being. Um, but like we is it important that we are emotional beings? Yes. Spiritual Absolutely. beings, yes. We're physical beings, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason, this part of us, our sexuality, we're supposed to just say, that's bad, don't do that. Yes. Our sexuality is what is what creates. Totally. Like, it, talk about a God-given power. Absolutely. Like, holy freaking crap, it's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. And so I think that the adversary, like, wants to attack sexuality harder than anything else. Oh, yeah. And we have bought that so much. That when we even talk about Christ as a sexual being, or like sex and Christ in the same sentence is like, oh my gosh, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, 
God is sexual. We are sexual. We're created in the image of God. And we, I, I, I do think that it is, it is not okay. Just like you said, I like how you said that. Yeah. Um, yes. We're not supposed to go off the rails and just hurt people. Totally. With our sexuality. Including ourselves. Right. Right. But we're also not supposed to shut it down so much and wallow in our shame around our sexuality that it creates all these other problems in our life. No, totally. Well, I think I and personally, I mean, because we're on the topic now, I mean, I, I, I strongly feel that this issue of sex addiction in all its forms, porn, whatever, I think it's one of the biggest societal issues facing us today mm-hmm. on like a whole variety of levels, right? Objectification and not sexual and non-sexual ways. But if we talk about the psychology piece and speaking to it personally, you know, if I'm if I'm the adversary and I'm like the general and I'm like looking for efficiency and screwing people's lives over. Right. 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 Like if I can get a, a person to sin. Right. It's like, that's a win, you know, and, and you see that like Satan would show up and talk to people and right. like, hey, I want you to do this. And they're like, no. And you can almost see Satan just being like, well, damn it. Dang. Why? <laughs> like, well, why not? <laughs> right. But but if I'm if I'm if I'm the adversary, if I can use shame as a tactic to convince a guy that he is not worth not doing things that yes. are destructive. Right. Well, what I'm creating is a self-perpetuating machine that will operate on its right. own. It's all disguised right. in in righteousness. Yes, absolutely. It's disguised in like this is the these right unrealistic thing to do bars to that are not yourself. achievable. Yeah, that are not yeah. achievable or healthy. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's. Carl, Steve, strange. would you go as far? You got me thinking here. We see a lot of the destruction. Well, actually, we see both. A lot of the d- destruction when somebody says, "You know what? Like, I'm going to go have affairs. I'm going to go sleep with prostitutes. I'm going to go do those things." And obviously, that doesn't work well for a healthy marriage. Yeah. Um. But would you go as far to say that the sexual self-rejection destroys marriages as much as the sexual just kind of go off and do whatever? Oh, yeah. No, you totally. See, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I've, you know, I've probably worked, you've worked with even more, but I've worked with hundreds, if not coming up on close to thousands of women by this point. And it's just, it's so fascinating because like time after time when you're working with a spouse who's struggling with an, you know, an addict uh, as, as their partner. They they will talk about, you know, I I'm now think of one lady in particular. She just got really direct on this one day. She's like, Steve, it is he'd gone, he stepped out to go to the bathroom in our in the middle of our session. She said, Steve, I'm not gonna lie, like the sex stuff, like it bugs me. Hmm. Right? It hurts me. It does. It hurts me. Hmm. It causes trauma. It it hurts us. It betrays trust, right? It does all these things. But it's it's two things that are going to end this marriage. One is not knowing who the hell I'm married to. Yeah, because he hides all the time. Because he hides yep. all the time. And because of the emotional variability that he accompanies can't be, that. He can't be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Brittany, and I, Brittany, Brittany came on the Dare to Connect program the other day, and she talked about how it was like we would play like emotional wheel of fortune. I'd text Brittany and say like, hey, I'm on my way home from school. And it was like the music would start playing like, come on down. Which version of Steve are you going to get today? <laughs> like, have Steve pass, pissed off Steve? Like. <laughs> shameful steve i just masturbated steve let's go have <laughs> sex right now steve maybe i'll get like three of them in one night because like you didn't no. know yourself at all no. rejecting every part of you yeah it's like simultaneous trying rejection. to use her for your worth totally yeah. absolutely right and it's just and the, and there was just this so it was that emotional variability but then it's exactly what you're talking about right i was so lost there was that's the real disconnector and, and this lady said the same thing and i've heard Almost every woman I've worked with over the years say the same thing. That's what's going to kill this marriage. Yeah. yeah. The sex will get us there sometime, right. but I cannot keep being with somebody that just, they right. never can show up for me right. because they don't know how to show up for them. Right. Well, and Steve, we're not even getting into how women 
uh, reject their sexuality. Yes. Um, who are raised in a rigid religious system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but one of the big issues I talk about all the time is, is for a man to step up with healthy masculinity, with confidence, with strength, with honesty, transparency. Yeah. And if every time they get an erection, they feel shame mm-hmm. or every, every time they're attracted to somebody, they feel that in their core, they're just disgusting and perverted and wrong. Yeah. How are they supposed to show up as a, as a powerful, healthy, masculine, confident human being in a marriage? Yeah, they never will. It doesn't happen. No. Because they're constantly self-rejecting all the time. Mm -hmm. And so there's this space where they need to come to terms with, and this is taboo to say, because we're conditioned to believe that your sexuality means that once you get married, then you can engaged sexually mm-hmm. to one person and that's all sexuality is yeah right and the reality is is you can stay faithful to one person um you can stay in a monogamous relationship where you're connected to one person your sexuality goes beyond that relationship sure and uh, my wife's sexuality is different than our sexuality together mm. my sexuality is different than our sexuality together and the beauty of my wife and I, we can come together and we can say, this is I, and she can say, this is I. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. And we trust each other. Yeah. Um, that's healthy sexuality. It's not, you fall into this mold of control where once a week we schedule sex and that's what that's what we do every week. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have any attraction to anyone ever. Yeah. Right. And you never touch your penis and you never do this and you never do that. That's all fear and control. Yeah. Right. Do you, yeah. see, do you see what I'm saying? No, I, I very much see what you're saying. I mean, and we see it all the time. I mean, you were using the example earlier, right? The whole, like the whole accounting for every time I was attracted to somebody. Yeah. We could take the rest of our time today and just talk about how destructive it is, not just for the guy, but for the for the, the partner. And the relationship. Yeah. Right? I, I, not too long ago, maybe it was a couple months back, I had a first session with somebody and had them walk me through their couples check. And I'm like, you guys have been doing this. So like, just do one for me. Like, I want to see it. And he kid you not, he opened up. God bless him because he was trying so hard. Be honest. Yeah. Right. But he he went down because this is what they've done with their private previous therapist. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm here. Um, these were my victories today. Um, I was attracted, and he listed it was some crazy. I think I was attracted between 50 and 60 women today. <laughs> but I only this I, is their check-in. Yeah, but I only yeah. had like a second look at like 12 of them. And but I didn't masturbate or do, and I was just like. This is, does this create safety and trust I mean, in a relationship? So she's sitting there, he's feeling all this shame, and she's sitting there reeling about what she just lost him because she's because of her past trauma. Yeah. She lost him at I was attracted to seven. Oh, she's dudes. triggered off. And, oh, the yeah. rest of it's like Charlie Brown's mom talking. It's just like bop, 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 bop. Like she's not even hearing anything else, right? It's <laughs> just like, oh Yet my god. He gosh. thinks he's building trust totally. by showing up that way. And he thinks yeah. he's working his recovery. By showing up that way. Absolutely. Right? He, he's giving it his all. He doesn't want to be there. It's like at the freaking firing line, but he's like, yeah. I'm committed. Yeah. So I'm doing it. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I know where we're starting. Let's talk yeah. about this today. Well, church leaders and therapists actually encourage <sighs> this type of recovery and this type of behavior. Yeah. And I love your personal story, Steve, of of you you tried it this way for a long, long time. Yeah. And and you know, God bless you for trying it, for trying to be good, trying to do it the right way. Yeah, that's great. At least you were able to stop and say, what are the outcomes and what are the consequences of this? Because this isn't working. Yeah. And I I just really appreciate that. Not only did you discover within yourself what real recovery is, but now you're a man who's spreading real recovery 
and kind of scaling it out because you're an mm -hmm. awesome therapist. You're not just a therapist. You're like I say, you're a leader, you're an advocate, you do all kinds of good things. So oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it all comes from yours truly. Cause that's where Brandon was the one planting those seeds back in the day. Cause I, I was as, I was very much the guy we are talking about today, except I was the obstinate version. It was the, it was like, I would love to have seen you sit in a session with Jody. Oh man. Yeah. No kidding. Right. I would, I would, love you would to have gone blows, man. I would love to sit in a session with myself. If I could like, Oh, back in the sit day down with like eight and a half year ago, Steve, or 10 year ago, Steve, that would have been, that'd have been a trip, man. Oh, I did that. <laughs> oh, wow. We got, we got work to do, buddy. We got work to do. I'm like, <laughs> I'd probably look at you while you were watching. I'd be like, was I really that bad? Jeez. Yeah, well, this guy, man, holy crap. No, I, how are we doing on time, man? No, doing so okay? I want you to tell him, Steve, where to, where to find you and what oh, okay. you've got going. Talk about your program. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I, I run a practice called Ascension Counseling. Uh, I'm based out of American Fork, Utah. Uh, you can find more info about that at, at uh, ascensioncounselingutah.com. Um, I run a podcast myself uh, with my business partner, Mark Castleman. It's called, it's the PBSC Squared Podcast. It's uh, Porn, Betrayal, Sex, and the Experts. Uh, there's information about that and a contact form you can reach out to me at at uh, pbscpodcast.com. And I'll put all this in the show notes, too. Oh, perfect. And then I do run kind of a first of its kind, we'd like to think cutting edge, only one in the world that we're aware of program called Dare to Connect. Uh, we It includes, uh, let's see, what are we up to? Uh, 30 hours of content a month. Um, we have weekly sessions for addicts, spouses, and couples. We get raw and real, very similar to this dynamic. Mark and I, um, we we answer questions. We have monthly topics. Uh, we have open mic sessions. And we just, the program is very, it's not static. There are a few static components to it. But basically, it's uh, we come together. We learn together. We grow together. Mark is equally raw and real as I am. Awesome. Like, everything is on the table. Our wives come on once or twice a month to, to talk as well. And so it's just two addicts in long-term recovery talking about things and uh we'd love to have you join us uh you can find a two-week trial for that at uh, dare to connect dare to connect now.com awesome steve it's so good to see you doing so much good and um you know you you bring up how much time have we been going i don't even know okay and it, i'll keep going man i, 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 I just want to i go over all the time I, we, we gotta wrap it up but <laughs> the reason i say that is because i could talk to you forever and this is just this is just one topic yeah and so um, Steve's going to be back. Uh, oh, cool. ho hopefully again and again. So say, say, send yeah. reviews to Brandon, make him bring me back. I, lo I love taking, talking with this guy. Yeah. So yeah, I owe him lunch. So <laughs> you guys, if this was helpful, maybe it got you thinking, maybe you disagree with some of the things we're saying, but it, it, at any rate, if it, if it got you thinking, then please share it, please comment. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. We'll see you. Oh.